I just got back from Florida. I'm very tan. I can uh, see if that. If I do say so myself. <laughs> I can see that. You're like... I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. You did, You guys don't have to say it. I'm going to say it. You're overexposed um, I, like you're bright white like the background in certain spots mm, on your face mm, right yeah. now. <laughs> I've been on a beach for a week, sitting around, trying really hard to take a break and not work. And that was... It's a challenge. We've talked about that before, but it's a challenge to actively I can picture work. you yeah. I can picture you at the beach sitting at a desk at the beach and <laughs> an R2D2 is like just off your flanking off to your right waiting to be told what to do just yeah. sitting around waiting Bob are you okay you're, you're, I mean, I'm good would you like a nice tea no I'm fine I'm fine and Anthony <laughs> sitting like 10 feet behind you at his desk <laughs> under a big umbrella is uh, it was a good break, you know, good time with family and stuff. But it's definitely difficult to just do nothing. Just be. Oh, yeah. it's it's torturous for me. Did you did you use it to kind of recharge the the creativity? No, no. <laughs> okay, it sounds weird, but like I I actively went into the week. Like, I'm not going to think about anything because I could I could stew on like, well, what could we do next or what could we, you know, what things could we add and what, you know, I could brainstorm and all that stuff. But then I would just be completely, my brain would be caught up in that. And so hmm. I actively went into, I'm not going to think about the future. I'm not going to think about the present. I'm not going to think about next week's video or what I should be doing or what I didn't do or what, you know, any of that stuff. I'm going to be completely disconnected there facing my family you know right. doing stuff with them and um and that's harder than it sounds it sounds like that would be really natural and maybe it is for some people but uh it's really difficult to just like get when one of those thoughts comes in like oh well you know what could we do next year with and i'm like nope nope go away not doing that right now you know so that was a and i think that would be easier if my mind was occupied with something else but it wasn't. We were literally sitting at the beach or sitting at the pool um, with nothing but sitting, playing, you know, in the water kind of thing. And that just really doesn't occupy my mind very well. So I think it's OK. Like, I, I always have this this thought, like when I'm not supposed to be thinking about work or doing work, I think it's totally <laughs> OK to think about work as long as nobody could read your mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're like... Yeah, see it on your face, yeah. It, it, you know, like, I'm with family, or maybe it's a date night, and, you know, you have something preoccupying you. I think it's totally okay to kind of, like, take apart and put things together inside your mind. You know yeah. what I mean? There's nothing nefarious about that. I mean, obviously, you want to be present, and if you can be present and also dismantle and rearrange your toolbox inside your brain, I think that's totally okay. As long yeah, as I think sometimes the idea. best ideas come when you're not expecting them to. Yeah, I I, I don't think you know it's uh, it, as long as you're not like doing it on your cell phone, obviously, because anyone's right. like, oh yeah. oh, what's going on in phone land? You know, I get that a lot. I try to just sit on my phone, and in a way, it's it's like <laughs> it's like uh, it's like uh, tightrope walking without a net when you could just think without having to hold your phone in your hand. You're just like sitting there concentrating on coming up with a good idea without any input. <laughs> yeah. You have to work with like yeah. what's in your toolbox that's already in your head. Uh, have you ever gone I, into the bathroom and you forgot your phone? Oh, it's the it, worst. It's, it's, what it's am a, I going to do now? It's a weird, it's a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do like now? We don't have a magazine rack in there anymore. <laughs> what am I going to do now? Yeah. 
Well, I think it's okay yeah. to think about stuff. It's like, you know, as long as you're not talking out loud about it, you're like, I could put the, the 9 16th bolts in the same bin as the 8th <laughs> inch bolts. That wouldn't matter. You know, like, is everything okay? Yeah. yeah, no, everything's fine. What's up? Yeah, I agree. And I do that a lot. Jenny has told me in the past, like, she if we're somewhere, she can see it on my face that I'm, like, thinking through something. And yeah. she just knows to, like, okay, he's not here right now. Whatever he's, <laughs> you know, he's thinking. But this was... It's kind of funny. I don't know if I'd do this if I'm the only person that does this to myself, but I went into this vacation as like a, all right, I'm going to test myself. Can I actually disconnect? Can I actually like intentionally not do that thing that you're talking about? Not do that. I'm here, everybody. Look around. I'm here, but I'm not going to be engaged because my mind is working on other stuff. And so it was kind of a practice thing for me, you know, and... I need, have needed for a long time, a break, like most people need a break. And so I thought, well, this would be a good way to, going on vacation, I should force myself to take the break that I know I need, whether I actually feel like I want to take it or not. Um, And so it was, you know, it was more of a practice thing for me, but it was good. And now I'm back. Um, (laughs) And it's weird. It was good. Because... I don't believe you. <laughs> well, yeah. that's how I feel about it. And that's that's the kind of weird part. Because I went into it going like, oh, man, I got to like go on a trip. Yeah. I got to go. And I'm going to go sit and I'm not going to do anything. And the whole time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, yeah, but then I get to come back and I get to go back to work and I get to do the things that are fun and I get to whatever. And then I got back here and was like, ugh, I'm back to work. <laughs> and that's the first time I felt that like that in a really, really long time. Not that I dreaded the work, but it was like, oh, that break I had that I didn't think I really needed is now over. And now I feel the fact that it's over, you know. And so, I don't know. It was a little bit different. But I'm, I'm happy to be back. So I could tell. As is all our listeners. They're happy we're back. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have you guys been up to? You haven't been at the beach. Actually, Jimmy, you were at the beach. Uh, well, I went to visit my, my, it's funny, like 10 months ago, my brother every year rents a house in Long Beach Island, which is a big strip of land in, in the, near the ocean in so, mid Southern New Jersey. I don't know. I, I never really go there. And so this year it's usually my sister and her kids and my, my sister has a child and my brother has two children. So they're all, they're cousins. They hang out. They're like 17, 18 now. So they're really have fun together and uh so this year they included taylor and i and so 10 months ago we booked the house because you have to book it a year in advance and then it came right up to the moment where we're just finishing up the show and my brother's like you're gonna come down to lbi and i was like oh forgot all about it (laughs) and so it got right down to it taylor was too busy and and i just said you know what let me just come down for the day i went down for the day sat at the beach with my mom and my sister and it was nice to catch up and it was beautiful to see something new you know i always say if you're really not necessarily working it's important to always physically take yourself out of your environment and get some outside input so for me it was a trip it was you know two or three hour car drive down to the south shore in jersey to see the beach and just to see new surroundings and new so like i take in the whole thing obviously it's it's pleasurable to see my family and hang out with my brother me me and my brother was there for two nights so we went on two long walks which was nice we went for like six mile walk and you know just get to catch up and talk about stuff which is something we don't get a chance to do so i mean that was great um so we did that and uh 
just uh, you know checked out the surroundings and got to check out my mom and my sister and hang out with them. So it was good. It was a good break, and I got back up here. It's been a little tough getting back into the swing of things, like since the show was such a big distraction from everything else. And you know how you always have that like looming over your head, like you got to finish that book report, and you just keep off putting it, off putting it. And that is this big enclosed trailer. But we pulled the trailer into the barn, and I've been working on it. A little bit each day. We have a new deadline of October 1st. So I'm kind of working in the dark. Some things I don't know how to do. Some things I don't know what's the right thing to do. You know, obviously got to be conscious of the weight of the whole thing. So I'm uh, consciously trying to decide how strong I could make it with as little material as possible. And uh, so I've been working on that. And also the front deck of my house, which is just outside this window. I've been doing that. That's something that I hate doing but it's rewarding now that it's it's to the point i i i'm doing it by default i just can't get anybody to do anything you know everyone's always complaining like everybody wants a job and everybody complains when other people from different parts of the world come and work here but nobody wants to do anything you know we could make this an entire subject where there's so many opportunities for local people to get the work they don't want it and when it's literally handed to them they don't have the responsibility or the wherewithal to do it I mean, I went through several people to do this deck until the point where I was just like, that is it. I'm only going to do it myself. If it doesn't get done, I have nobody to blame but me. I can't be frustrated with anybody but me. Because every day, the few people that I've had trying to do it, I look out there and they're kind of like twiddling their thumbs or they're sitting in their car looking at the phone or they're having another cigarette break. I'm like, what is going on with this workforce? It's like nobody wants to do anything. And then local people around here are like, oh, anybody that's qualified is booked. They, you know, they're, not, they're not available. I don't even know anybody that's qualified. No one's even given me the name of somebody that is absolutely reliable, absolutely will return your phone call, absolutely will show up, will absolutely do the work efficiently. I hate to say it. I only know one other person that can do that, and that's Dave, the Mexican carpenter. And I begged him to come up here, but that's like asking, you know, Bob, you to come here and help me move furniture. It's just outside of his circle of activity. So Dave, Dave actually was considering it. He's like, let me put together a, a team and see if we can come up and like do it in two days. But I got anxious and I just started working on it myself. But of all the people I know in this whole entire world, he's the only person I would trust to do this that I know. And people say to me all the time, oh, if you can't build my cabinet, do you know anybody else that can? I say, honestly, I don't. I don't know anybody personally that does anything as well as I could do it. And I hate to sound like some <laughs> conceited a-hole, but I don't. I mean, you see people on TV yeah. all the time doing it. I don't have a connection to them. I don't know them. So I don't know. I, that's my frustration about people up here, local yeah. hires to do stuff. I'm still waiting for my plumber to call me back to finish the plumbing job in the racetrack. I mm. called him May. He's like, oh, let me do these few things and I'll get back to it. Now here it is late July and he still hasn't got back to me. And I've left him three messages and he doesn't answer them. It's just impossible. It's, it's yeah. physically feels impossible. And Taylor wants to do all these upgrades to the house now that we have a little bit of money. And I'm like, I am absolutely not going to start anything with anybody unless I could see seven things that they've done and talk to those people. And because it's, we're on our like fifth stonemason. He seems to be the right guy for the job, but you know, I hope he makes it through the job. He's very old, but he's doing a good job. <clears throat> wow. It's just so, all right, I'm venting. Done. <laughs> but everything's great. I'm doing good. Yeah, everything's great. Good, good. It sounds like it. <laughs> no, it's uh, I'm being silly, but I'm doing the porch, and it's very rewarding to step back and do it and look at it. And you know, um, Ryan is a friend of mine who's been staying with me. He's helping me, and 
we're getting to the point where we're going to cover it. So the, the framing's all done, and we got all the, the metal brackets in. And now today I'm going to level it and put the posts in place. Because I, I basically built the entire deck as like a floating frame on crip, cripples, you know, whole things that hold it up. And now I'm going to put the posts in place. Because I wasn't exactly sure. I didn't know where I wanted the posts to be. I don't know if I wanted them forward so you could see them or set back so that I could do like a stone wall under the whole surface of the... Yeah. Which is probably what I'm going to do. If this guy keeps working out and he makes it through this job and he's still alive, I'm going to have him do the front. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. It's... uh. Fingers crossed for that guy to stay alive. Then for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's a sweet guy. He's doing a really good job. He's just, he's he's very old, and he's and he's on his knees all day long, and he doesn't look like the kind of guy that needs can be on his knees. He's has bad legs and everything. But besides that, I'm. Uh, I was thought I was going to take a break and put a video out every two weeks, but I already have two videos ready to go, so I might put another video out. And we were going to talk about videos and views and stuff today. Here's an idea, though. You What's, could stay at you know get a buffer. And actually, like, schedule things and have a little free time and not feel like you have to chase the two-week thing. Yeah, well, you know what I was going to do? I wasn't really going to chase the two-week thing. I was just going to, like, put out videos when they were available kind of thing. Mm. Not really worry about a schedule at this point because it doesn't seem to matter anyway. You know, you stick to a schedule and only eight people watch your videos nowadays anyway, so it doesn't matter. So I was just going to call them directly and email those seven people and say, hey, you guys want to <laughs> see the video today or tomorrow? It's up to you. Just let me know. Oh, man. Wouldn't it be terrible if that's how YouTube actually works? <laughs> you guys ready? <laughs> After dinner We're all going to get on a, a party phone call, and I'm going to let you know the URL. All right, everybody write this down. This yeah, is yeah. my new YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, uh, yeah, what else? What else? That's it. Just having fun. And uh, I, I haven't been working at the big shop all that much. Aaron's doing a fantastic job organizing it because there's been like a vacuum of activity since the show's gone. And Aaron's doing an incredible job. Oh, hi, Hello. Aaron's been doing an incredible job organizing the other shop with a little bit of downtime. We're slowly getting back into the production of website stuff, uh, posters and knives and stuff, which have been really far behind on everything has been sold out. And of course, ice picks. And yeah. That's it. That's it. So I've been working here in the backyard because that's where the trailer is. So I've been doing some projects. So I'm, I'm like waking up in the day and I'm never leaving the property, which is kind of fun. It's kind of mm. like I've been having like, you know, personal days for the last week. But I'm actually doing work, but I'm just never leaving. But that's it. I'm done complaining. <laughs> Dave, how about you? So if you were to ask me, name three people that have changed your life or changed direction in your life, I would say... My grandfather, mm-hmm. my wife, and my old boss, John Couser. And all three of those people have a birthday today. No my way. grandpa wow. turns 99 years old today, which is wow. amazing. Incredible. He still goes out into the woodshop almost every single day. He, If he can't, it's because it's either too hot or too cold. Uh, or he's just He's absolutely amazing. So happy birthday to grandpa. Happy birthday to my wife, Kelly. I think she turned 24 today. And, very nice. And then uh, this third person is my old boss at two different jobs. He owned a recording studio where I was an engineer, and I did not have an, an education in recording. I only had my own personal experience, and he took a chance on me. And basically, I shadowed one of the engineers for an entire year. And then after that, I got to record bands uh, on my own so that was a great opportunity and then 
Uh, he is also a wedding photographer, so I used to do assistant wedding photography with him. So uh, that you know, between the photography and and the music and and all the other things, have kind of led to where I am now. So happy birthday to all three of those people! Very cool. Yeah, that sounds like a, a really awesome group of people to all be like thinking about at the same time. Yeah, it's just crazy, just bonkers. So uh, today, Wednesday. Two days before you're listening to this podcast, I'm releasing the video that we shot like three or four weeks ago on developing color film. And it went through like three different edits because it's it's me talking the entire time. And it's a very detailed how-to, which is slightly different than normal because a lot of times I'm building something and it's like, I'm going to do this. And then you just kind of watch me do this. But this, I wanted to make sure all the all the details are in there. And went through all these different edits because, you know, a 25 minute video is, is pretty long to listen to some dude talk forever. So I got it down to 15 minutes and then lots of on screen graphics to kind of emphasize what I'm saying or to make what I'm saying a little bit more concise. And I'm finally happy with the edit. So that video is coming out today on developing color film. I just really, really have been back into photography lately. Just the, uh, I used to do it a lot when I was younger, just go on photo walks, um, both digital and film, and and I got away from it. And I think all the my past photography has kind of helped me where I am at now, but I just n- haven't been into it until I started getting back into film photography. And now it's it's all I think about. It's it's just crazy. I don't even want to go in the wood shop. I just want to go take photographs. So, hmm. So did you see? Um... Peter McKinnon put out a video a couple days ago, I think, called A Message for All Creatives. Did I did see that, see that yes. That that made me think of that because you found something that gets you excited and whether or not it ends up being the thing that you're, you're making videos about or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anybody that didn't see it, it's a video that he, where he's just reminding creative people to... Uh, what is, how does he say it? Like, do one for you or something like that. And it's, you know, as we create for output, we can often forget the thing that is just for us mm-hmm. and he was encouraging people to make sure that you have a back burner project that's not about views and it's not about you know uh, a channel and it's not about a business it's just a thing that gets you excited that you can pour yourself into creatively and that, that was a good thing for me to hear um, so. for sure because he talked about passion projects in that video and like that RTD2 thing even though you shot video of it and you made three videos from it it was still like this thing that you worked on for a long time it was this this yeah there's this great accomplishment and i think i need to do something like that i think that is important instead of just these little weekly achievements you you can have something that's just a little bit bigger and a big milestone to work for so yeah that's a good video yeah i think I think R2-D2 was that for me, to a degree, but I think the Carmen Ghia is even more oh, of yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. That's and the type I, of thing that, takes you, that it gives you a hard left turn. You really got to pay attention to like something completely different, doing like a car like yeah. that. Yeah. It's a good distraction. It's one of those things that I think I, there's no way I could film most of it. So with that in mind, like I, I'm planning this week, because my family is still in Florida. I came back a week early. You know, Part of the thing that I'm looking forward to this week is going out to the barn at night without a camera and just mm-hmm. taking the thing apart like just for me with nobody has to see it you know and that 
as weird as that is, that's not really a creative thing, but it's on the way to a creative thing. It's on the way to having right. the car that I've always wanted to build. So, yeah, it's a good video. Check that out. I saw that you had your go-kart out. Did you race this weekend? I did race this weekend. Um, had a decent weekend. It could have been a much better. Uh, but the, the go-kart thing, that's that's the thing. I don't make a lot of videos on, and I don't talk about it too much because that is the thing that's that's just for me. Um, that being said, I did film what may turn into a vlog day at the racetrack. Um, so basically we have, uh, the way our league is set up, there's qualifying and that qualifying determines where you start in your heat and then where you finish in the heat determines where you start in the future. And I qualified decent and I never qualified decent. I got seventh or eighth. And then, um, so for my heat, I was outside front row and I was running second. I was probably going to finish second, maybe first chain popped off the sprocket and I didn't get the finish. So Aww. it's always something mechanical and it's always something that's my fault that I do in preparation. And it's something I got to get better at. So in the future, I started dead last, but I made, um, which, uh, I made my way up to fifth, which is really good on a track that was really hard to pass on. But if I would have finished my heat, I would have started up front. I would have had more of a chance. So it was, a. Um, it was a good day. It was super fun. It was on this beautiful property. This this guy just has this beautiful yard and a really nice maintained track. So yeah, I'm 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 love just absolutely love go karting. So much fun. That's awesome. Um, speaking of uh, that, led my mind. I'm changing gears because <laughs> it's a go kart. <laughs> but uh, that led my mind to a thing one thing that i did on vacation that was for me um it was kind of for me and kind of for the kids too but some of my kids are really into cars right now they're really like uh two of them specifically pay attention to every everywhere we drive they're like oh look there's a dodge charger there's a and and they always say like the brand name and the car name like they're they're associating the kind of hierarchy of brand and then model you know model make kind of thing and it, and I'm not sure why that happened, but all of a sudden, I guess maybe the Carmagia had something to do with it because they were like, what is this thing? We've never seen this before. And I'm like, well, it's a Volkswagen. This is one of the Volkswagens that they were made. And there was this one and there's this one and there's this one, you know, so they started to understand that. These are my younger two. And so now when we drive around, they're always like, oh, there's a thing, uh, uh, this thing. And there's a, this thing. And like, oh, did you see that Corvette? And like, why does that Corvette look different than that Corvette? And all that stuff. So while we were down there, uh, one of these boys was looking through a magazine that was like a local stuff to do. And he's like, oh, there's a classic car museum here. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he was excited about it. That got me excited about it. So of the whole trip, I told Jenny, like, we can sit on the beach all day, every day, except for one hour. I just want one hour that we all go to this thing together and we just go see the classic car. Because it was, you know, the trip was about her seeing her family and stuff like that. So I was trying to just go with the flow. So... Uh, right before we left, we went to this classic car museum in St. Augustine, Florida. If you're ever down there, anybody listening, go check it out. It was awesome. And it's, I don't know that it's a particularly special museum. I don't think it's any different than any other one. They maybe have fewer cars than other ones, but it was really, really nice. And the cars that they had were immaculate. Like, just, I was kind of blown away at how nice they were. And there was... 
uh, stuff. It was mostly 40s to six, late 60s, early 70s. It was mostly that range. But there were a couple of things newer than that. There were a couple of things older than that. They had some Model A's, uh, Fords, and there was uh, something else that was really old. I don't remember what it was now. Pontiacs, I think. Some of the original Pontiacs. But And there were a few things that were uh, foreign cars, but most of them were American. There were a few Porsches, no Volkswagens, uh, a few uh, Jags, one Land Cruiser, which was super cool. It was really in really, really good shape and made me want to go buy another Land Cruiser to restore and just like put it in the barn and <laughs> hang on to it. Um, but one of the coolest things about this and one of the things that got me really excited walking away from it was right down the middle of this big metal building, all these cars were just stacked up in this metal building like I said, it was really nice, so there was plenty of room to walk around everything, but you were just surrounded by so many cars. But right down the middle of it, there was a row of Corvettes, and they were in year order from one side of the building to the other side of the building. So as you stood uh, you know, on one end, you could look down the line, and all the noses were lined up, and you could see the progression of the nose change. Mm. And then if you look up, you see the progression of the glass change, because they went from the bubble glass to the flat glass to the kind of like leaned back flat glass and that was really cool and I don't know I'm not sure why that affected me so much but looking down that line and seeing the progression of the car of a single idea changing over time was really really cool and I took a bunch of pictures a bunch of close-up pictures um, got a bunch of color reference from cars that were there for possibly for the Carmen Ghia which was nice to see up close you know Um, there was a Ford Galaxy something. I don't remember the other part of the name, but it was a gigantic station wagon from like the late 50s. I mean, gigantic. Like, I have a Suburban and it was way longer than the Suburban. Thing was so big. But it was a convertible and station wagon. So the, or wait, yeah, yeah. So the whole top of the station wagon went into a trunk so that's how long this thing was. It was a station wagon, maybe not a station wagon, maybe that's the wrong word for what it. What was the name of this car? Ford Galaxy something. Oh, is it is Galaxy it, uh the fair the the was it the hard the hard metal roof went into the back? Yeah. Oh yeah. And that was the Fairlane. crazy thing is Ford the whole Fairlane. trunk. Ford Fairlane. I don't know if it was a f- it maybe maybe it was, I'm not sure. I've got some photos of it, but the whole back trunk area you know, would lift up and then this hard top slid down inside of it. And they had it paused in mid flip uh, process. So the back and the top were both at like a 45 degree angle up. So you could see all the mechanism on the inside to see how this thing moved into it. But it blew my mind how big the hard top was because it was a gigantic car. Let me see. That one? Yep, that's it. Yep, Ford failing. The, mm-hmm. the whole entire hard top went in the trunk. Unbelievable. It, and just the trunk had to be so huge to hold it. But that car looked like it rolled out of the factory into this building. It was pristine. The, I mean, the color was like a sparkly blue with white beading around all the upholstery. The, uh, I took a bunch of photos of gauges because I've never really paid attention to the dashes in cars from the 50s and early 60s. But man beautiful just 
like unnecessarily cool. Yeah, they don't. They didn't need to be like that. But man, they look so good. Attention to so, detail at every turn is incredible. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to getting this 57 that's coming soon. I was looking for one of those. I was hoping there'd be one there, yeah. but there, there wasn't. Um. Anyway, that was a really cool thing. Just to you know, I'm never gonna. I don't think ever buy a Corvette. I'm never gonna buy a, a Galaxy Fairlane, but just seeing those things up close and seeing the construction of them, the details and the dashes, those paint colors, the combination of upholstery and, you know, exterior paint, like working together. It was, it was very cool. That's what I was saying. It's really important. Even if like, you're not really looking forward to going and doing something like, you know, make the whole event into an experience to feed your creative slush fund, so to speak. You know, I've said it a yeah. couple different ways, but like your experience at this auto museum is going to come out in a hundred ways. You're not even going to be conscious of it. Yeah. You know, it's going to manifest in several, like, you know, your attention, even if it's just your attention to detail about, you know, the dial of something that you otherwise wouldn't have paid attention to, you're going to have those flashes in your mind of like, Oh, you know what? I would have just printed something. I don't care. You know what? Let me, let me silk screen something that'll just look a little bit more richer. You know, these type. Right. well, maybe I could 3d print it and paint it and then tampo print the rays there. You know what I mean? Stupid things like that are going to start to simple things like that are going to start to affect you in a long way. But I mean, as creatives you want an accumulation of that like every day to have that little bit of input every day you know but that happens to be one experience that stands out because it was pretty grandiose and in comparison to just sitting at the beach because you know you're like oh my god it's like it's like a mental it was like a mental uh oasis (laughs) for you yeah yeah it really was (laughs) you know so i I think it's important for everybody to try and find those little left turns that'll just you know your kids wanted to see it but you probably got more out of it than they did just oh yeah I'm sure. <laughs> um but it, it was also really cool that they were even remotely interested in it and it was funny because before we went to it i went around to each kid individually not as a as the group collective not as like the pressure from everybody else i went individually do you have any interest in going to this museum because if not we don't have to go because i don't want to drag people through it you know and the range of response was like absolutely i want to go it sounds really cool to like yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that's like, I'd like to see what's there. But nobody said, like, no, I'm not really interested. So I'm like, all right, cool. Everybody's in. Let's do it. And we had a blast. They got different things out of it. They were looking at different things, which I thought was really interesting. You look at one Ford Bronco, you know, from 65 or whatever it was, and they're all looking at totally different parts of it for different reasons. And, and that struck cool. me, too, because you think about any car, there's something between the three of us even a different thing would stick out about that car to what we were drawn to. And this was an entire warehouse full of just beautiful, wildly different cars. So they they walked out of there a little, not overwhelmed, but just like kind of glassy-eyed, like, wow, that was a lot of cars. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but And I also found out that this weekend in the town that I live in, this Friday and Saturday, there's a classic car get-together and cruise-in and I went to it here a couple of years ago, and it was a lot like entire downtown areas just covered with awesome cars. So, again, this weekend I get to go by That's myself great. down there and just walk around. Did um, uh, 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 is Ripley's Believe It or Not still in St. Augustine, or is it, is it closed? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it's still there. It's another great thing. Next time you go down there, you got to check it out. I've been to it many years ago. Yeah, it's, I, it's been a really, really long time. Yeah, same ago. with me. Yeah. Long time ago. Um, so anyway, that's all about my car stuff. We did have kind of a topic 
so we got a, a tweet from Mike Ryback. I think I'm saying your name name correctly, Mike. Um, and it was a topic suggestion. It says, making videos will never go away entirely, but has the YouTube maker bubble burst? Is the landscape oversaturated, and does it take epic builds to survive these days? Now, this has come up many, many times. We get a text about something like this, or a message, often. And we always kind of avoid it. <laughs> um, but we're not going to avoid it today. So, what do you think? David, wh- what are your thoughts on this So, question? I, um, in a way, yes. Uh, <clears throat> the way... I don't, uh, where, where do we start? So, there are hundreds of people making maker videos. I'll, I'll talk about woodworking. There are hundreds of people making woodworking videos. And I've been doing it full-time now for six years or so. And I feel like there are so many people doing so many cool things that it might be time for me to start thinking about other things, another direction. Um, plus, I, I, I think there are, this is, man, I have so many thoughts. I don't have it organized in my head. I, um, making YouTube videos all the time is exhausting, mentally exhausting for me. Cause it's, it's constantly thinking yes. about creativity. How do I get better? How do I improve what I'm doing and is it okay that I'm leaving, you know, the the basic DIY stuff behind and just focusing more on creativity? Because you lose an audience when you do that. Um, but I've also been preparing for a change for a while now. I have other sources of, of income, books and plans, and I'm thinking about changing down the road the how I make my videos, what my videos are going to be about. But there are so many new people coming in and doing it that I feel like I'm going to get lost in the shuffle unless I, I change dramatically. Um, and when I say dramatically, I mean, I'm going to change slowly over time. You're not going to see a, um, a shift tomorrow, but I am doing photography videos right now. I am doing other creative things. We're working on a sculpture, like a wooden sculpture right now. And frankly, how-to woodworking videos are boring to me right now. I, I That's why I'm focusing on other things to like recharge the creative batteries. And social media is changing like crazy right now. Like kids don't use Facebook, right? Twitter is just crap right now. Like, like I look at my Twitter feed and if you go to twitter.com, every fifth post is, is a promoted advertisement and then twitter is also showing me um so your friend so-and-so commented on this your friend so-and-so like this so i'm seeing all these tweets from people i don't even follow i'm like i don't what no and so twitter feels old to me now and then i and i think people are going towards shorter content like tiktok tiktok is really hot right now um instagram recently said they are no longer a photo sharing platform they are they are a tiktok competitor and so the whole landscape is changing like crazy right now and uh um i'm ready for it i'm ready for the next thing whatever that might be 
that was so that was just a dump of disorganized information but it's a, <laughs> but but it really is something i think about all the time i think that's that you basically manifested like all the various com- complex thoughts we all have all the time when we're trying to navigate oh, yeah. the future you know that's Absolutely. what that's what it always is i i go back to i remember about 15 to maybe 18 years ago if i can remember because it was a year or two after 9-11 and um we had in the toy business there was a big downturn just getting anything on the shelves was really difficult you had to have some super super special marketing or some super special advertising associated with a product and we i was working at a toy company this is like yeah I'm trying to remember the timeline of things because it was in 2004 when he decided to go to business uh so in 2003-ish I was working with a guy named Scott, and Scott has been a big influence in my life in many ways. Actually, Scott is the guy who bought me my black Rolex, the one that I wear all the time in the videos. So Scott said to me, uh, we were having a tough time in the toy business, and he... I said, I go, you know, what's, what do you, we would travel together all the time. You know, we were always in China or an airplane or sitting at an airport. And I said, what, uh, w- like, what do you think? What's going to happen with this business? And he said, he goes, well, people are never going to stop buying toys. He goes, if I could be in that little skinny margin and stay in that margin of people who continue to buy my toys, he goes, I think I'll be okay. He goes, if we could just make it through the bottleneck. And so when I started realizing my videos were not getting quite as many views as, you know, when you look at the monthly views, you know, it used to be about 5 million and now it's probably 2 million, if maybe even low. I haven't really been paying attention because then that takes me out of my focus. So I don't look. I just like, you know what, I'm just going to keep my head down and just keep trying to make interesting content. And I know some content's not going to be super great. Some content's going to be cool. But overall, it all still adds to my portfolio of content that comes from me. You know, it's still honestly from me. I'm not trying to be anybody that I'm not. I'm still just doing what I do. And the people that started following me from the beginning enjoy it. And if they want to continue to enjoy it, that's cool. And if in the, the game of longevity you're always going to keep getting rediscovered by new generations. So the generation that discovered all of us in the last 10 years, eight years, there's going to be a whole new generation of people. And everyone's going to be like, oh my God, this content's incredible. You know, it seems like everything comes back every 20 years. And I'm not saying I'm going to wait 20 years for my stuff to be relevant again, but I just have to keep doing what I'm good at, what I know works for me, what I enjoy doing. Thankfully, I make income from several different ways. I'm not sitting here like, you know, I am not panicking. I'm just thinking in terms of, I just keep doing what I do, keep keep Scott's mantra in my mind and say, you know, some, people are going to still watch videos. It's just a matter of of sticking it out and continuing to do what I, what I enjoy doing. I mean, I enjoy doing the videos, even if people don't watch them. I have a, a question for you. So when I started making videos, my thought process is I'm going to make this video and it's going to live a long time it's going it's evergreen content i'm going to make this box and people can view this video for decades to come now i don't have the same thought process the videos seem more temporary i make a video that's i i hope does good this month and then after that month nobody watches it anymore so i'm not making uh i think i think the shift is not towards long-term content but what's hot right now what works right now do you have the same experience? Well, I I know, and uh, I have this like kind of vision uh, uh, of like 
Like after the Earth has gone and come back and it's like kind of Planet of the Apes and Charlton Heston's walking on the beach and he finds a box and on the box it says YouTube <laughs> and he picks up the YouTube box and he dusts it off and he plugs it into whatever plug is available at the time and it's like millions of cool videos and it gets rediscovered. So, I mean, I think in terms of long term, it's content that's out there forever, you know, might get put in the vault underneath Mount Rushmore. Who knows what's going to ultimately happen with it? But it's there forever. And I make stuff with that in mind in the way that I don't really typically do current events. I mean, I reluctantly got into doing vlogs because people sort of demanded them and they were fun to do. And I haven't done too many lately just because uh, I just haven't been motivated to do them. You know, one thing that's really important to remember as creatives, and I wrote down some notes while we were talking earlier on, um, you know, as a creative person, as a creative entity, all of us, our, our paths are going to constantly change. It's always going to change. You know, it's not, if, if we wanted stability, we would have become a fireman or a policeman or something that you do 20, 25 years. And then you go and do that vacation forever, Mm -hmm. you know, for the rest of your life. But as creative people, you know, we've just had a really long run right now. And maybe the run's not over, but, you know, some people, like, the minute your views go from a quarter of a million a week to, you know, 100,000, you're like, oh, it's over, forget it. What about the 100,000 people that just hung out with me <laughs> and watched my video? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a hundred. That's more people than watch the Super Bowl, you know, together in a gathering, isn't it? I mean, it's a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I was saying so the before fact that, this that Wembley Stadium is, I yeah. think, 80,000 people. And if you've ever seen a photo of Wembley Stadium, it is insane. <laughs> so. so for people to look at, you know, Wembley Stadium amount of people compared to, you know, three times that amount a year ago or two years ago and say, oh, you're a failure now. <laughs> It's, it's what, what always killed me, what drives me nuts. It still drives me nuts. You don't hear it as much anymore because media has changed so much. But the news would talk about the weather, you know, the current events, national, international current events, and what movie made the most at the box office that weekend. Why is that in the top three things of news? It huh. doesn't necessarily mean because it got more money that it's better. And that just... That just constantly enforces that idea that because it got more views, it's better. Because it made more money, it's better. Because it's not the case when it comes to creative output. Simply because your videos doesn't get a million views doesn't mean that it's not better than someone that got a million views. You know, so if you're if you're enlightened and fulfilled by the creation you make, then that's one thing if you're doing it to simply try and get a million views that's another thing so i i mean i think just keeping the content honest it's going to find an audience even if the audience is diminished that's fine there's always going to be a video where like if you look at my last five or six videos i did i don't even i can't say them automatically off the top of my head but i know there was one video where i modified the grinder and that's got like four hundred thousand views it's been like my most viewed video of recent like in the last seven or eight where I've been kind of doing the same stuff that comes natural to me. It's not getting the traction, but I still feel empowered to do that. I mean, I'm going to still make videos that are just like that. But I used to do more tool modification videos. And so I went through my old notes and I saw some of my tool mod concepts. So I'll do a couple more of those just to pepper it in there, just to you know remind people that I'm still alive. But I'm not going to panic and, you know, 
people are like, oh, what are you going to do next? I'm like, I still, I make a ton of money. Like YouTube is just a, a small part of what I make. It is derivative. It is the island, you know, where all the tentacles come from and it's not going away. You know, people still have this impression that, uh, oh, you, oh, you put it up, you'll get a million views. I'm like, I'm glad you think so, yeah. but that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> perception is reality. One of my business partners would always say, you like, yeah, perception is reality. If that's what someone thinks, you let them think of you that way because then they'll keep you in that, you know, they'll put you on that pedestal even if it's not true. Let them think that. But it's, uh, you know, I think, like I said, creatives, you're always going to change course and just how you change course and how you navigate it. And, you know, and don't let it drive you crazy. That's We talked a little bit about mental health and the way that some people would take a video where it didn't get a lot of views and they would they would immediately like they would attach their self-worth to it yeah and you got to be really careful not to attach your self-worth to the fact that your views aren't getting pushed by youtube's algorithm you, know, you can't you can't let your self-worth and your you know and your your uh, mental stability be attached to youtube's algorithm well for some algorithm and, or some the whims of a huge viewership of people or even a small viewership of people right. like you can't put your own right. self-worth in the hands of strangers that mm-hmm. right it doesn't that's not good for anybody yeah so like a, a, a lot of people like chasing clicks and views and likes and you know i i of course that all helps right i'm not going to say I, I don't like that i don't want it but when i put a video out and it doesn't do well i'm like well i'm proud of the work i did and that's really important and it, you know some people say it's if it's your only income then you know you should have planned ahead you know i hate to sound callous like that but you know some people get a little annoyed that oh youtube is basically uh you know bankrupting me because of the whims of fashion i mean like i said youtube is just the you know the middle of the octopus all the tentacles are all the things of which you make money on that's just where everybody sees the attraction to you know what what products you're providing whether it's your own website or you know whether it's where you get recognized to go do a TV show or whether it's where you get recognized to be hired to do this, you know, complicated product development job, you know, so you got to you got to look at it as, you know, this is my big complicated portfolio. It's not my only income generating thing. Yeah. So I think it's really important for, you know, to look at it like that. John Heise did a video and I'll recommend that'll be my recommended video for the week. John Heise did a video talking specifically about this. And I think he did a pretty good uh, he does a pretty good um a peel back of what he thinks the algorithm is doing. Obviously, nobody knows the details except for Mr. YouTube, Mrs. YouTube, whoever those people are. But the, he does kind of what he feels, you know, from keen observation. And I think he's probably right. If you listen to that video, he talks about why certain videos do or don't get pushed and how the algorithm like selects a portion of your audience and says, okay, what do you guys think of this? And if everyone doesn't immediately click on it, they go, okay, next time he makes a video, I'm only going to put it to half that many people and so on. And so, and that's how, you know, your channel starts to start lagging. And like I said, it's, it has nothing to do with your self-worth. So it's important to remember that. Yeah. Um, so I have, I have a whole bunch of thoughts on this that are also not organized, David. So I'm gonna I'm about to do the same <laughs> thing that you just did because I've been taking some notes, but also just I, I do think about this a lot. So back to you, when you were talking about social media, I think when and I thought about this when I was watching Peter McKinnon's video that I mentioned earlier. One of the big problems that I think all of us, a creator, consumer, everybody are facing right now, is that we have input overload. And that seems obvious, but 
we have creative input overload. So what I mean is that we are constantly aware we're fed every time something refreshes a new instance of someone else being creative. Now that one single person that you just saw isn't doing it every second. They're not creating a new piece of content, a new thing every second, but you are seeing a new piece of content, a new piece of creative every second, because you are seeing, we are seeing the cumulative output of everyone else. And I know for me, it, it, I don't immediately recognize the fact that I just scrolled through a hundred different people's time, their creation time, when I scrolled through Instagram. I see a hundred new things. And that means in my, you know, my quick brain that somebody just created a hundred things that, and I'm behind. Like, I can't do that. I can't keep up with that. When really, I'm seeing a hundred people's weeks all, you know, boiled down to a little tiny feed. And it was a huge amount of work by a huge amount of people over a huge amount of time, but I'm seeing it like this. And it's just new content all the time. And so I think that amount of connectivity is not a bad thing, but I think we, at least I, don't necessarily get the feeling that all, those are all different people doing different things. It's just creative input that I'm not creating and it makes me feel behind. And I think that's bad. I think it's really bad because you immediately walk into, before you've done any work, before you've come up with an idea, you immediately walk into, I'm behind. <laughs> that's no way to start a creative endeavor. That's no way to start a YouTube channel. When you look at, when you watch a thousand other YouTube channels who are all being creative on a daily basis, cumulatively, you walk into it being like, well, I can't compete with that. You don't have to compete with that. That's not the point of the thing. But I think that is something that all of us could look at as like a, a a problem with the way that we are fed content, the way we've chosen to be fed content. Be really clear about that. So I think that's one big problem. Um, looking back at you know, talking about the bubble, um, which I do think I think we're there. I, I tried to be optimistic for a really long time and say that we're there was not a bubble. That there's always I've always thought that there's more than enough audience for everybody. And I still think that's true, but I think as far as the view, because I will go on record as saying that you make the weirdest, most niche, personal thing that you can make, and there's somebody out there who is also interested in that, that wants to see it. Now, that may be two people, but they're out there, so don't not do that because you don't think it's broad enough appeal, so I want to say that, but... I think originally, like, uh, back in the day, you know, say five years ago, when all of us were really seeing a lot of growth on YouTube, there was this audience that was X. And there were, these are not real numbers, I'm just going to pick some numbers for the illustration. There were 10 creators on YouTube in our space. And those audience views were clamoring for content from 10 creators. They were just like, I want to see more maker stuff. I remember watching Jimmy's videos when before I was doing any of this and I was watching him. Every time something came out, I watched it immediately because there wasn't enough of it, right? So then you fast forward five years, that same audience of X now instead of 10 creators has thousands of creators creating new things. There's no, there's no uh, you know, like supply and demand problem anymore between content and consumption. And so I don't necessarily think that it's, views are going down, but views are now spread across far more people. 
And like, I mean, I guess you could get kind of grumpy about that and say, well, yeah, my income has gone down. But think about all the other people who now have a chance to be seen. Think about the consumer's point of view that they have more content than they could possibly watch. Even if they want to see all of it, they couldn't. There's no way they could do that. So I think that's a consideration we have, both sides of it have to take into account that like you can't be grumpy because your stuff's not getting watched as much as much as I would like to feel that way and feel like, well, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and people should continue to watch me. Not necessarily. There's a lot of other options now. <laughs> and those, so a lot of those options are fantastic. People are going to watch the thing that they want to watch. The, uh, uh, I think the tweet mentioned something about, do you have to do epic builds now? And I, I want to address that. I don't think so because that is a, that's a hard thing to chase. Yeah. video after video um or for any kind of if you create anything to just get bigger and bigger each time is um something that's very difficult to do when i look at somebody like peter mckinnon he, um he makes videos about photography and videography and they just get better and better because he gets better and better at storytelling so you don't have to and he's not doing he is doing some epic things but not everything is a super crazy unbelievable thing uh, he's just getting better at storytelling so it's all about content it's all about the what you are giving to to the viewers yeah and that does kind of lead to the last thing i wrote down here is i think when you talk about whether you have to make more epic things or if you're worried about the views on what you're already making i think you have to check your goals a little bit yes because really if your point. goal is to be the biggest channel, I, I don't know, or to have the type of growth that Colin Furs has, well-deserved growth. You know, I'm saying that, but like, he's like adding a million subscribers a month kind of growth. Like, it's bananas. And if that's your goal, then yes, you absolutely have to do bigger, better, crazier all the time. And that's not sustainable for anybody, even for him. As crazy as he is, as awesome as he is, that's not sustainable. So I think you got to look at what your goals are. If your goal, you know, from the very beginning, maybe it's a defense mechanism. I don't know. But from the very beginning, one of my goals was to make a, a, a library of useful things. And that means that those things are not necessarily going to be pop culture. You know, they're not going to explode. They're not going to be viral. But I would like in 10 years for somebody to come back and be like, man, look at this library of a list of videos that are all useful in some way to somebody at some time. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I ever want to learn how to piece, make a piece of furniture or uh, this or whatever, I could at least go to I Like to Make Stuff to see if it's there because there's a bunch there. That's a goal. Like That was a goal of mine. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to be outdoing myself all the time. And that also means, the flip side of that, is that a lot of those things in that library are never going to hit. They are never going to be more than 100,000 views or 50,000 views or whatever your metric is. I know that going into it. So I think you have to define your goals a little bit as you're going, especially now, as the space is crowded, there's a lot of content, um, all the content, the, the bar uh, for quality and production, the lowest bar has been raised a significant amount. Like it used to be that you could get away with like a slight increase in productivity or in uh, production and you looked like you were like a super professional, but that low bar <laughs> has lifted a lot. Which is good. That's great. But I mean, you know, you have to take all that stuff into consideration and just kind of set your goal as to what you're trying to get out of this whole thing. And then I think you have a better, uh, you can have a, a more 
stable reaction to the ups and downs of viewing habits and of algorithms and all those things that you can't control. So, where are we at uh, with the? Uh, I haven't looked in a long time. Where are we at with podcast numbers? Because I think everybody's got a podcast. My grandpa might even have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, my mom's podcast uh, drops this week. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know that I don't pay attention to that easier either. Um, and that would be an interesting thing to look up right now while we're on the show. Because, and the reason I don't pay attention to it is because we have a really stable. This is not a plug. A really stable Patreon. <laughs> A group of people that consistently support the show and that number does not change you know it never drops down we never have to worry about being able to pay for our time or our editor or our hosting and so i don't really care what the numbers are because we have enough people that i know like what we do and are supporting it and so that's good enough for me but it yeah, would we be have never chase numbers on the podcast we never even talk about it yeah we never ever once i asked you once when we were going to do an advertising for nbc and then we decided not to do it and that was the end of it so mm-hmm. looking back over this year um the listens have dropped off about ten thousand listens a month every month Right, so 10,000 people less listen. That's it, we should quit. It's over. But but at the same time, you know, in July, which I guess this month isn't over yet, so maybe that number's not quite there, but 70,000 listens across all episodes of the podcast. Now that we have, what, this is 316? (laughs) So, you know, I don't have any context, even with that number, like, I don't know what another podcast number listen. Maybe we're like, nothing maybe we have the most listened to podcast in the history of audio i have no clue i have no point of reference there um and i think maybe that's another thing to take into consideration when you're thinking about videos it's like you're comparing yourself to your previous self or your previous whatever but you're also whether you mean to or not you're comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing in the space so I guess it's kind of good in the podcast world that we have no concept, no comparison data for any other shows. I don't know if we're doing well or not. Who cares? <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, well, it, it goes back to what I always say, and I've said it uh, you know, more recently in a couple of uh, our, our conversations, is that it, I never like the idea of somebody doing like you know of some sort of pay schedule for advertising based on the metrics of you know CPMs and we'll give you this much if you reach this goal we'll give you this much if you reach that goal because you could have four people watch your videos and if one of those four people is Warren Buffett and he wants to get financially involved with you or your life how do you quantify that you know right. so it's like that one person could change your life forever and I'm not saying it's all about monetary what if three people watch it and one of them happens to be some huge celebrity that puts you on blast and then all of a sudden you know you're the uh my phone was ringing you know somebody puts you on blast and then all of a sudden your channel explodes Mm -hmm. but only three people watch that video and one of them happens to be somebody that could inspire change in your viewership or inspire change in your financial life or inspire change in your creative life you know, it's not all about like it's not the horse race that everybody tries to make it out to be. You know, case in point, and I said it before, I'll say it again. There was a couple of months ago I put out a video where I made like a little wooden toolbox by hand, bandsaw, handsaw, whatever. It got picked up by a major retailer, and we're designing a product line that's going to be on the shelf in Christmas. Mm. It's still there's a lot of hurdles to jump through, and we might not ever 
get there because because of the global economy right now and the cost of materials, but we're working on trying to get costing so that this product line could be in the stores, you know, coming Christmas. But that video, I don't, you know, I got a hundred thousand views over the last three months. It's not a big, big deal. But that one video got picked up by this huge international retailer, yeah. and I might have a product on the shelf. So that's what I'm saying. It's like if you're putting out content to chase, you know, for the horse race, you can have a hard time, and you're going to constantly be letting yourself down, saying, "Oh, the video only got fifty thousand views. Fifty thousand people is a lot of people, and if one or two of them." is a buyer at a major international retail outlet and brings you in the fold and it's like we want to do something with you it doesn't matter what it is we want to figure out something i think your goals have been met yeah. if it's a matter of trying to proliferate your creative <clears throat> inspiration or your creative vision you know like i always say my goal is to inspire and entertain and if 10,000 people watch a video or if 110,000 people watch the video that's still a lot of people and you know and it's just always goes to show people to say oh I don't want to get started I'm never going to be able to make a video that watch that get people watch I, I say this to everybody all the time I'm like eventually you'll hit a video that that goes viral you know even if it's viral in your in your environment maybe you do a video that's 10,000 you know like Derek Derek just called me on the phone just now Derek has got three videos, and one of them has got like seven, eight hundred thousand views because it just keeps getting watched. He made a birdhouse. The other's got like five thousand views. Chris Cash, this is another funny case in point. Chris Cash, many people know Chris Cash from the Axe and Iron podcast. Uh, Chris Cash made one video, and it's got millions of views. It's five minute. It's a three minute video. He's got his YouTube channel is one video. It's got millions of views. And and it burns the the butt of a few other people that always pick on him because he's always like I'm not into YouTube I don't watch YouTube I think YouTube's ridiculous and he made one video begrudgingly because everybody was picking on him and it got millions of views so you just never ever ever know you know you just never ever 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 know what's going to be the thing or why the algorithm picks you up and shoves you into the space or shoves you into the closet you just never know you never never know and. I think it's really important to do it for your own personal creative output. Do it for a portfolio. Do it because it's the hub of many other things to come from it. But it is not the thing. It is the hub of the thing. Um, well, and I think that's that's an, a really important thing that maybe people don't recognize. What you said earlier about it being the island. It's the head of the octopus, right? It's the thing where all, all the other pieces come from. And if you look at it from that perspective, that you make a single video that gets watched by, let's say, 10,000 people as a number. That is an audience of 10,000 people that you can talk to. So even if that number is way lower than what you would like it to be, in what other situation are you going to be able to take your next idea and put it in front of 10,000 people? You make a set of plans, something you can sell. You have a, a, you know, a book that's really helpful for people or a, I don't know, whatever the thing is that you want to create next. Being able to get it in front of 5,000 people, 1,000 people. Tell me a place in the real world where you can walk into a room of 1,000 people and have their attention. Like, that's crazy. And so I think it's super easy to just be like, well, this video's view count was this, and that's all I got out of the, you know, the AdSense revenue yeah, from and that, this number and that's of people. Yeah, that's a failure. Yeah, but it's not that is access to people's attention. And I don't, I'm not talking about like using access and taking advantage of the fact that you have people's attention. I don't mean that. I mean, do a creative thing, 
And whatever people are interested in that creative thing might be interested in your next creative thing. And so you immediately walk into your next endeavor with attention, you know? And if that's the point of the thing, then that's the point of the thing. And you you have it right there, whether that number is the number you want or not. Like, you can't dismiss the fact that 500 people, 100 people are paying attention to what you're doing. Because if you're in your basement by yourself, nobody's paying attention to what you're doing. (laughs) So if you put it in front of 100 people, that's a significant, you know, upgrade. And so, I don't know, I, I think... You know, if you're comparing against, uh, you know, this time last year, this time five years ago, your numbers may be down. But it's really, I think, important for us not to get jaded about the the decrease in number and actually look at the number and think about how the impact that it actually can have. It's it's crazy. Like I said, another important notice is that I've said it. And I'm just going to say it a different way. Is just you know everything comes in and out of fashion, and you know what we've been doing is you know create any creative endeavor is a winding road you know there's going to be pitfalls there's going to be peaks and valleys if you know if if it was easy everybody would do it you know people choose a simple job and work at that job for 30 years there are no pitfalls there's no peaks and valleys it's a different type of lifestyle so if you're going to pick a creative lifestyle you just have to be able to navigate the uh the terrain yeah i think uh um you know for the people listening nearly all of the creators that you love and watch i would assume that nobody said hey i want to be a youtuber what should i make videos about it's a Mm. it it starts with i'm in love with this thing i want to share it and then it eventually turns into something else so to to answer mike's question has the bubble burst maybe maybe not but as a as a viewer how lucky is it that you get to watch all of this content from all of these creative people and there is there's so much to choose from how awesome is that yeah mm-hmm. well said mm-hmm. um i think that's a good place to wrap it up what do you think yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good conversation well, let me thank our thanks mike for the question i appreciate that um let me thank our patreon supporters we've got a bunch over there and like i said and I legitimately mean it. They are the reason that we have never really looked at numbers. <laughs> in fact, that's probably the first time I've looked at podcast numbers in several years. We've been doing this show for a long time. Um, big thanks to them because they they make this happen and make it so that we feel valued because of their support and we don't have to go looking and chasing numbers and all that stuff. And that's really awesome. So big thanks to everybody over there. Uh, our top supporters, again, are a super... Uh, long-standing group of people Odin Leather Goods, Corey from Make Shape Create, Rich at Low End Designs, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations You Can Make This Too, Chad from Mancrafting Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks and Corey Ward. Big thanks to them and everybody else. They all get the after show which is something we're going to go record after this Um, I don't even know how long we've been going I feel like we've been going for a long time but um, we're going to do some more for the Patreon supporters David, do you have something you would like to recommend? Yes. Again, I'm going to recommend Wobie Design. He put out a video on how he made his foldable staircase. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've been watching the, the drama on uh, Instagram. It's pretty funny. Yeah. he's He's been having fun with it on, on Instagram. And he addresses all of everybody's concerns in the YouTube video. So, um, And he has, he, he has a fun way of poking fun at the people that are complaining so 
I think it's a great video. I think it's an amazing design. And uh, yeah, check out Wobi Wobi Design. It is a super cool idea. I like it a lot. What you got, Jimmy? I'm going to talk about the John Highs video that I mentioned earlier. Go take a look. He kind of addresses a lot of this stuff. <clears throat> and he, he kind of talks about how older channels like us or me start getting kind of put on the back burner for, for new blood, for new names. So, like I said, his theory seems seems accurate, but nobody knows if it's 100%. But, you know, like I've said before, you just got to navigate the storm, make it fun for you, and lower your expectations, really. Um, let's say reset your expectations rather than lower. You don't want to lower your expectations, but you have to. That's good. Um, actually, you can say whatever you want to. I wasn't trying to tell you what to say. I just that's <laughs> that makes a little that's more okay. sense in what you were. Whatever. Yeah. Um. So now that I've got the Karmagi, I've been you know gotten tons of recommendations from other people about car channels and car things. Uh, some of which I was aware of. Chris Fix, I've talked to a fair amount on Instagram, so I know about him a lot but somebody sent me donut media which i had seen before but i had forgotten about and i was looking through uh, they're a very large you know auto channel and i was looking through some of their videos and i found uh, a, a series on there called how to get started in a project car or that's the name of the first video but it's one of their hosts just talking about project cars because they cover all sorts of car different stuff but he kind of walks through in this video that I'll link. It's the first one of this series, and he talks through how to pick a car, you know, a, a cheap car to work on, um, the basic, most basic tools, the amount of space that you need, stuff like that. And so it's not necessarily the type of car that I would be working on, and it's a different level of, you know, they're talking about souping up like a uh, Miata or an RX-7 or that type of, like you get a stable car and then you start working on it. It's not restoration but it's still, I think it's a pretty good pace and approach to jumping into working on a car without any experience working on cars, which is where I'm at. So um, people might enjoy that series, but I, uh, there's a lot of different stuff at Donut Media um, that may be interesting if you're at all interested in cars. So go check that out. You guys got anything else? I think we're good. <clears throat> I'm going to go start a new YouTube channel. So I'll see you guys later. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Again, Mike, thanks for the question. Just kidding. Uh, Just kidding. We hope it was a good conversation for you, and we'll see you next time. Love you. Love you.